Chapter Twenty Two of A Daughter of Today by Sarah Jeanette Duncan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Daddy, Janet said to her father a few days after their return to town, I've been thinking that we might, that you might be of use in helping Frida to place something somewhere else than in that eternal picture paper. For instance, oh in peterson's or the london magazine or piccadilly it was in the library after dinner and lawrence cardiff was smoking he took the slender stem of his pipe from his lips and pressed down the tobacco in the bowl with a caressing thumb looking appreciatively as he did it at the mocking buffoon's face that was carved on it it seems to me that you are the influential person in those quarters he said with the smile that janet privately thought the most delightfully sympathetic she knew oh i'm not really the girl answered quickly and besides she hesitated to pick words that would hurt her as little as possible besides frida wouldn't care about my doing it why i don't know quite why but she wouldn't it's of no use i don't think she likes having things done for her by people anything like her own age and and standing cardiff smiled inwardly at this small insincerity janet's relation with elfrida was a growing pleasure to him he found himself doing little things to enhance it and fancying himself in some way connected with its initiation but i'm almost certain she would let you do it his daughter urged in loco parentis cardiff smiled and immediately found that the words left an unpleasant taste in his mouth but i'm not at all sure that she could do anything they would take my dear daddy cried janet resentfully wait till she tries you said yourself that some of those scraps she sent us in scotland were delicious so they were she has a curious prismatic kind of mind soul daddy soul if you like it reflects quite wonderfully the angles at which it finds itself with the world are so unusual but i doubt her power you know of construction or cohesion or anything of that kind i don't janet returned confidently but talk to her about it daddy get her to show you what she's done i never see a line till it's in print and i don't know anything about it you know above all things don't let her know that i suggested it i'll see what can be done mr cardiff returned though i profess myself faithless elfrida wasn't designed to please the public of the magazines in england when janet reflected afterwards upon what had struck her as being odd about this remark of her father's she found it was elfrida's name it seemed to have escaped him he had never referred to her in that way before which was a wonder janet assured herself considering how constantly he heard it from her lips how does the novel come on mr cardiff asked before she went to bed that night when am i to be allowed to see the proofs i finished the nineteenth chapter yesterday janet answered flushing it will only run to about twenty-three it's a very little one daddy 
still nobody in the secret but lash and black not a soul i hope they're the right people janet said anxiously i haven't even told elfrida she added i want to surprise her with an early copy she'll like it i think i like it pretty well myself it has an effective leading idea her father laughed and threw her a line of horace which she did not understand don't let it take too much time from your other work he warned her it's sure you know to be an errant imitation of somebody while in your other things you have never been anybody but yourself he looked at her in a way that disarmed his words and went back to his revue bleu dear old thing you want to prepare me for anything don't you i wonder whom i've imitated hardy i think most of all but then it's such a ludicrously far away imitation if there's nothing in the thing but that it deserves to fall as flat as flat but there is daddy cardiff laid down his journal again at the appealing note no she cried i won't bore you with it now wait till the proofs come good night she kissed him lightly on the cheek about elfrida she added still bending over him you'll be very careful won't you daddy dear not to hurt her feelings in any way i mean after she had gone lawrence cardiff laid down the revue again and smoked meditatively for half an hour during that time he revolved at least five subjects which he thought elfrida with proper supervision might treat effectively but the supervision would be very necessary a fortnight later mr cardiff sat in the same chair smoking the same pipe and alternately frowned and smiled upon the result of that evening's meditation it had reached him by post in the afternoon without an accompanying word the exquisite self-conscious manuscript seemed to breathe a subdued defiance at him with the merest ghost of a perfume that cardiff liked better once or twice he held the pages closer to his face to catch it more perfectly janet had not mentioned the matter to him again indeed she had hardly thought of it her whole nature was absorbed in her fight with herself in the struggle for self-control which had ceased to come to the surface of her life at intervals and was now constant and supreme with her kendall had made it harder for her lately by continually talking of elfrida he brought his interest in her to janet to discuss as he naturally brought everything that touched him to her and janet believing it to be a lover's pleasure could not forbid him when he criticized elfrida janet fancied it was to hear her warm defence which grew oddly reckless in her anxiety to hide the bitterness that tinged it otherwise she permitted herself to reflect he is curiously just in his analysis of her for a man and hated the thought for its touch of disloyalty knowing elfrida as she thought she knew her kendall's talk wounded her once for herself and twice for him he was going on blindly confidently trusting janet thought bitterly to his own sweetness of nature to his comeliness and the fineness of his sympathies who had ever refused him anything yet 
and only to his hurt to his repulse from the point of view of sentiment to his ruin for it did not seem possible to janet that a hopeless passion for a being like elfrida bell could result in anything but collapse whenever he came to kensington square and he came often she went down to meet him with a quaking heart and sought his face nervously for the haggard broken look which should mean that he had asked elfrida to marry him and been artistically refused always she looked in vain indeed kendall's spirits were so uniformly like a schoolboy's that once or twice she asked herself with sudden terror whether elfrida had deceived her whether it might not be otherwise between them recognizing then with infinite humiliation how much worse that would be she took to working extravagantly hard and elfrida noticed with distinct pleasure how much warmer her manner had grown and in how many pretty ways she showed her enthusiasm janet was such a conquest once when kendall seemed to janet on the point of asking her what she thought of his chances she went to a florist's in the high and sent elfrida a pot of snowy chrysanthemums after which she allowed herself to refrain from seeing her for a week her talk with her father about helping elfrida to place her work with the magazines had been one of the constant impulses by which she tried to compensate her friend as it were for the amount of suffering that young woman was inflicting upon her she would have found a difficulty in explaining it more intelligibly than that as he settled together the pages of miss bell's article on the nemesis of romanticism and laid them on the table lawrence cardiff thought of it with sincere regret it is hopeless hopeless he said to himself it must be rewritten from end to end i suppose she must do it herself he added with a smile that he drew from some memory of her and he pulled writing materials towards him to tell her so rereading his brief note he frowned hesitated and tore it up the next followed it into the waste-paper basket the third gave elfrida to understand that in mr cardiff's opinion the article was a little unbalanced she would remember her demand that he should be absolutely frank she had made some delightful points but there was a lack of plan and symmetry if she would give him the opportunity he would be very happy to go over it with her and possibly she would make a few changes more than this cardiff could not induce himself to say and he would await her answer before sending her article back to her it came next day and in response to it mr cardiff found himself walking with singular lightness of step toward fleet street in the afternoon with elfrida's manuscript in his pocket buddha smiled more inscrutably than ever as they went over it together while the water hissed in the samovar in the corner and little blue flames chased themselves in and out of the anthracite in the grate and the queer orientalism of the little room made its picturesque appeal to cardiff's senses he had never been there before from beginning to end they went over the manuscript he criticizing and suggesting 
she gravely listening and insatiately spurring him on you may say anything she declared the sharper it is the better you know for me please don't be polite be savage and he did his best to comply she would not always be convinced he had to leave some points unvanquished but in the main she agreed and was grateful she would remodel the article she told him and she would remember all that he had said cardiff found her recognition of the trouble he had taken delightful it was nothing he declared he hoped very particularly that she would let him be of use if possible often again he felt an inexplicable jar when she suddenly said did you ever do anything of this sort for janet and he was obliged to reply that he never did her look of disappointment was keen she thought he reflected that i hoisted janet into literature and could be utilized again perhaps in which he did her injustice but he lingered over his tea and when he took her hand to bid her good-bye he looked down at her and said was i very brutal in a way which amused her for quite half an hour after he had gone cardiff sent the amended article to the london magazine with qualms it was so unsuitable even there that he hardly expected his name to do much for it and the half-hour he devoted to persuading his literary conscience to let him send it was very uncomfortable indeed privately he thought any journalist would be rather an ass to print it yet he sincerely hoped the editor of the london magazine would prove himself such an ass he selected the london magazine because it seemed to him that the quality of its matter had lately been slightly deteriorating a few days later when he dropped in at the office impatient at the delay to ask the fate of the article he was distinctly disappointed to find that the editor had failed to approach it in the character he had mentally assigned to him that gentleman took the manuscript out of the left-hand drawer of his writing-table and fingered the pages over with a kind of disparaging consideration before handing it back i'm sorry cardiff but we can't do anything with this i'm afraid we have we have one or two things covering the same ground already in hand and he looked at his visitor with some curiosity it was a queer article to have come through lawrence cardiff cardiff resented the look more than the article it's of no consequence thanks he said dryly very good of you to look at it but you print a great deal worse stuff you know his private reflection was different however and led him to devote the following evening to making certain additions to the sense and alterations in the style of elfrida's views on the nemesis of romanticism which enabled him to say at about one o'clock in the morning enfin it is passable he took it to elfrida on his way from his lecture next day she met him at the door of her attic with expectant eyes she was certain of success have they taken it she cried tell me quick quick when he said no the editor of the london magazine had shown himself an idiot he was very sorry but they would try again 
he thought she was going to cry but her face changed as he went on telling her frankly what he thought and showing her what he had done i've only improved it for the benefit of the philistines he said apologetically i hope you will forgive me and now she said at last with a little hard air what do you propose i propose that if you approve these trifling alterations we send the article to the british review and they are certain to take it elfrida held out her hand for the manuscript and he gave it to her she looked at every page again it was at least half rewritten in cardiff's small cramped hand thank you she said slowly thank you very much i have learned a great deal i think from what you have been kind enough to tell me and to write here but this of course so far as i am concerned in it is a failure oh no he protested an utter failure she went on unnoticingly and it has served its purpose there she cried with sudden passion and in an instant the manuscript was flaming in the grate please please go away she sobbed leaning against the mantel in a sudden betrayal of tears and cardiff resisting the temptation to take her in his arms and bid her be comforted went End of chapter twenty two